Where hinges creak in doorless chambers. Where strange and frightening sounds echo through the halls. Where candlelights flicker though the air is deathly still. This is Phantom Manor. Welcome, curious friends. You may not believe it, but beauty once lived in this house. And beauty lives here still. Show yourself. Lovely, isn't she? Come, I have more beauty to show you. Our tour begins here, in this gallery where you gaze upon the sweet innocence of youth. Ah, but things are not always as they seem. Can it be this room is actually stretching? And notice this. This chamber has no windows and no doors, which offers you this chilling challenge to find a way out. <laughs> Of course, there is always my way. Welcome to episode three of the Magical Disneyland Paris podcast, all things magical and Disneyland Paris. I am Andrew Williamson, and I am joined again by Simon West. Hello again. Each magical Disneyland Paris podcast will have a different focus, be it an attraction, restaurant, or special element of the Disneyland Paris world. This episode will focus on Phantom Manor, past, present, and future. We will also hand over to you, the listener, and look at your views and opinions. Hi, Simon. Hello. We changed it up a little bit this time uh, for episode three. We asked our listeners to vote either between Phantom Manor or Pirates of the Caribbean and the winner of the vote on our website and on Twitter and on Facebook was Phantom Manor. Um, now, we know from our last episode that Space Mountain would probably have won our votes. Would Phantom Manor have came second in that list for you? Ooh, okay. Well, I don't know about second. It'd be up there. I don't know about second. Between this and Pirates of the Caribbean... I'm, I'm definitely Phantom Manor, though. So before we start going through the story and uh, what Phantom Manor actually means to fans and us, why would Phantom Manor win over Pirates of the Caribbean for you? That's a really horrible question. Why do you ask me the horriblest questions? And I don't even prepare you for these questions, either. It's on the spot. Give me no, I know. You should, you should like, let me write a script and things. No, we don't like that. We don't like that. Oh, I think it's the atmosphere. Isn't it? Uh, that's the best thing when you when you walk up up to the gates, you can see Phantom Manor there looming above Thunder Mesa. Parts of the Caribbean doesn't quite have that. I mean, parts of the Caribbean is beautifully themed. Don't get me wrong, but there's some extra little bit of magic for me about Phantom Manor. And we'll get onto this later on, but for me, I always seem to sit on the fence, and I'm, one of these days I'm going to have to decide one or the other. Um, but I would have been happy with Phantom Manor or Pirates of the Caribbean. But, um, That's such a diplomatic answer. <laughs> Come on. Um, if I was uh, to go with one, Phantom Manor probably would be the one. If, uh, somebody asked a question today. I think it was NIDLP uh, Geek uh, asked today on uh, a tweet. There was one attraction, if you were to get stuck on it and you had to go round and round, 
I think it would be Phantom Manor over Pirates of the Caribbean. With Phantom Manor, you've kind of got two attractions in one, kind of. And I say that because you've start you start off in in the house and in um, the haunted sort of a walking ha- tour yeah, into the haunted mansiony type style thing, and you've got the walk and stuff like that. But then when you start going underground into the uh, underworld, then it kind of takes on a different style, doesn't it? The attraction. It does definitely. Um, you don't have that with Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, the queuing it. system tells a story, but you know every queuing system tells a story. So I think just the fact that I could, well, I, I kind of class it not as well, yeah, like two kind of separate sections to Phantom Manor, and we'll discuss those during this podcast. So we'll start off with the story. The Imagineers put a lot of thought into the Phantom Manor storyline, and uh, the best way for me to describe it without getting myself confused was to uh, use a great resource on the internet. Now, when I was doing the research for this podcast, uh, I stumbled across ravenswood-manor.com, and I hope they don't—I hope they don't mind me reading this out because I know people uh, had a bit funny with their information and copyright and stuff like that. In fact, I just taught that last week to my year tens, uh, so if they're listening, I haven't asked permission, but I am going to attribute Ravenswood-manor for this uh, written article. So, All thank that- you, Ravenswood-manor. If you've got any problems, let us know, and we'll. Just say sorry next time. Um, but I'm sure it'd be, I'm sure it'd be fine. Um, like I said, it's the best way to get across the story. I know a lot of big uh, DLP fans will probably know this already, but I know as well there's a few people who are listening to this, and my wife's one of them. She wasn't aware that there was a storyline to go with Phantom Manor. And when I explained it to her, a lot of the attraction kind of clicked together for her, and it kind of joined together all the different parts of the and the different scenes of the attraction. So, like I said, I'll read through it. I apologise if my reading is very boring, but it's the best way to get this information across. Then we'll discuss if this matches the story that is in place in Phantom Manor now. Uh, it says, In the gold rush days of Fundamesa, two brothers who owned the big Funder mine built a beautiful mansion overlooking the town. Arthur Ravenswood, the more refined and level-headed of the two brothers, managed the family's business ventures, drafting the ownership documents of Big Funder and investing the family fortune in railroad and steamship stocks. His rowdy, impetuous older brother Henry, on the other hand, spent much of his time bullying and womanising, which frequently kept him at odds with his family, particularly with his wife Martha. In spite of their contentious relationship, Henry and Martha had a daughter, the beautiful Melanie. With Martha's motherly nurturing, Melanie grew into a lovely young girl, despite her brash, overly protective father, who forbid her to leave the manor or its grounds to venture into the town and socialise. Melanie's only friends were Jasper and Anna Jones, who managed the stately manor house and its splendid gardens. Tragedy stuck the Ravenswood family in 1860 when a terrible earthquake hit Funder Mesa. Henry Ravenswood, on an inspection tour of Big Funder, with Arthur's mine foreman Jake, was presumably crushed by falling timbers. Sadly, Martha also perished due to her weak heart. A mere six years later, Jasper died when his horse was spooked by a rattlesnake on the manor grounds. In the meantime, Arthur had become a sickly recluse, confined to the manor and tended to by his young wife, Gabrielle. His fearful dog, Goliath, never left his master's side. As the Ravenwood's fortune had been depleted, mostly by Henry's foolish, lavish spending, a wealthy San Francisco socialite and family friend, Marie de Bourbon, came to Arthur's financial aid. But the end was near for Ravenswood legacy, as Arthur was to succumb to his illness in 1867, and Gabrielle died only a year later, most likely of a broken heart. Melanie Ravenswood was encouraged by a dear friend Jake, who no longer worked in the mine, to leave the manor with him. 
Henry's dark, restless spirit, which had hovered over the ever-debilitating manor house, was outraged. He invoked his spiteful jealously and became the vengeful phantom. As the mansion was being prepared for the young couple's wedding reception, Jake met his untimely demise at the hands of the phantom. Little did Melanie know that her dreams of a wedding would never come to pass, or that her overly protective father would forever hold her captive in the manor house where she had grown up. The end. So, That's lovely. That was a nice story, and again, the Imagineers put so much detail into it that most casual guests to the park wouldn't even know that story did, did exist. Would you like the bad news, though? Go on, tell me the bad news. The bad news uh, is that that's not the only story there is. Just to confuse us all. Just to confuse everyone. Now, as far as I'm aware, there is no official story. And that every story that we hear is just a different interpretation. Go on, explain. So, the story that I've got is from Tony Baxter, uh, who's an Imagineer that's been working with Disneyland Paris since its conception. And I'm going to tell you that now. And there's some similarities with the ones that you've just told, but it's slightly different. So his story, which, again, he says is just his own interpretation, uh, begins with uh, the Ravenswood family, again, building their manor, uh, funded by their work that they do on Big Thunder Mesa with the Big Thunder Mountain Mining Co. Uh, the father has a daughter, the beautiful Melanie, or whoever it was, but the uh, Native Americans, the Indians living in Thunder Mesa, they, they say to Mr. Ravenswood, they say, you know, you, you can't mine on our mountain because our god, the Thunderbird, will become angry and he'll place a curse on you. And sure enough, that's what happens. And then the house becomes haunted and many deaths ensue, as did in your story. And it ends up with the young girl living alone in the house and waiting for her groom, who never shows up. And she grows older, she grows older, and then eventually she dies. But then the groom comes back, and he realises that the beautiful Melanie Ravenswood has died. And so the only place where they can then be together is in the afterlife. This story from Tony Baxter, or Tony Baxter's interpretation, does sound to me a lot more interesting. Because <laughs> there's a lot more haunting and death and just action to the story. I like it. I think it's a great interpretation, and I'll be perfectly honest, it's the one that sits the best with me. Out yeah. of all the ones that I've heard, it's the one that makes me go, oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because it kind of, all the elements of the attraction do kind of match that interpretation of the story. They do fit in. And obviously, the good thing about an attraction at Disneyland Paris is they don't like they don't actually have a story published, like you say, so you don't walk up in the queue area and it's telling you this is exactly what happened. So you can kind of take your own interpretation as yourself. So probably every visitor and every guest on the attraction has their own... Has their own story. Yeah, has their own version. Disney are fantastic. The Imagineers are absolutely brilliant at creating a setting for a story. And they give you most of a story. They give you the backbone to the story. But it's up to us to flesh it out in the way that we want to, in the way that we feel, I suppose, is most magical. Yeah. Which, that, that's what makes, it's, it's, it's kind of, a Disneyland Paris attraction or a Disney attraction worldwide is kind of in between a book and a film, isn't it? So you've got 
in a book you can interpret anything on obviously you all you've got is words to help you so obviously they can describe it in a certain way using all the fantastic words in a book but then it's always your brain and your imagination that's interpreting that into what you feel it looks like or the atmosphere and all that kind of stuff and then but with a film it's there and you can't really change it because that is it it's there but it's so weird because even though you're actually there in the attraction it's still open for so much interpretation Absolutely. that you can and i think it helps as well that obviously in paris because of because it's based in europe and we've got so many different languages and they normally well it is in the, it, well there's no speaking in the attraction at all is there apart from in the stretching rooms and stuff like that so uh, and uh, with the floating head as well in the globe it's really open for your interpretation because there's nobody following you around the rating the attraction saying and this happened and now this is happening and this is the story so it, it does this is one of the attractions that lets you just basically go with it and you, your mind is telling you what is happening and nobody else can change that you're right that is particularly important in Disneyland Paris being that it's the Disneyland that services all of Europe we've got so many languages we need something that is non-linguistic to be able to sink our teeth into. And I'll be perfectly honest, I'm not sure Phantom Manor actually does a fantastic job of that, because does anyone know the story without being told it? I don't know. Probably, well, definitely not. Um, definitely not. <laughs> but nonetheless, the, this idea that you know there's sort of uh, a bit of an ambiguous story for, for you to create yourself, yeah, that, that definitely is a thing. Because, um, yeah, the, the reason, because I know, I, well, again, I haven't been on the uh, Haunted Mansions because I haven't visited any other Disneyland Park. And I know you've been to, have you been to America? Uh, I have, yes. To Walt Disney World, yeah. So there's narration on um, the Haunted Mansions in there. Does it make it, is that what makes it a big difference, not having a narrated uh, journey through the attraction? Or I'll be perfectly honest, I can't, can't remember, remember it <laughs> at all. I can remember some attractions fantastically. Um, yeah. This is one of them that I have no recollection of at all, so which must, I find very strange. It must be a very boring ride then, or a very boring attraction if you can't remember it at all. I can't imagine it is. <laughs> but I tell you what, we can just put it like this. Let's say ours is better. There we go, yeah. You've, you've been on it, so we can officially say Simon <laughs> West from Magical DLP, who has been on the attraction in Walt Disney World, says ours in Disneyland Paris is better. End of. Not that he can remember why, but yeah, we'll go with that. We'll put that in the small print. Nobody ever reads a small print. That's true, yeah. <laughs> um, so moving on, again, we're just saying the story is important, but people can make it up. And like we said, we don't even know, well, they don't even make it explicit in the attraction. So most people who visit the attraction will not even think of the story. Now, being honest, when I first visited there, when I was in the sixth form, uh, a few years ago now, I won't tell you how many years, um, unless you listen to the first, po- first podcast, I didn't. If, I, if you ask me, when I first rode the attraction, the last thing I was talking about was a storyline. I was just interested in seeing what was happening. Was I going to be scared? Was it going to be a great atmosphere? And that's all I cared about. But obviously, as I became a fan and I have been on the attraction more and more and more, I like the fact that you can pick up something different every single time. Um, like you say, you can kind of tweak the story in your own mind, and you can say, oh. I think this must be happening, or I believe that's what's going to happen. So I still feel there's there's not much of a story for some people, and you like you were saying before, you probably won't get it. Um, but that's probably a, a good thing. Well, when I, in fact, every time that I've been on it before hearing the Tony Baxter version of the story that I told you, I'll be perfectly honest. There's certain scenes in it, and we'll come to discuss these scenes later on. There's always been certain scenes that just have never made any sense to me. <laughs> 
I would agree with that, yeah. Definitely agree with that. But like you say, if you don't, even if they don't make sense, that's when your mind starts to say, well, this is what I think, this is my opinion. Well, it is, yeah. Definitely. You've got that space to let your mind wander. And where, what better place to let your mind wander when you're in Disneyland Paris? Oh, exactly. <laughs> when it opened um, in April, on April the 12th, 1992, the opening day of the park, there were, now I've no idea if this is still the same number, but there were 130 dune buggies. The track length was 240 metres. Now, I don't know why, but that sounds very short to me, even though it's a quite a long ride. Um, 240 metres, if I was to run that, it wouldn't take me long. But um, 92 audio animatronics, which we know Disneyland Paris and the Imagineers are famous for. Oh, they love their animatronics. They do, and if they work well in this attraction. Oh, well, we'll, we'll speak about some of the ones that don't work at the end. <laughs> um, 58 individual special effects. Um, 54 moving props and it says here more than 400 special show props so that'll just be the static ones but um, the numbers are so phenomenal really if you spe- like, the amount of time it must have taken to plan this attraction especially when you've got all the other attractions happening as well um, and they only took about one or two years to actually build the whole park so to put all of that detail in and for it to be such an amazing attraction uh, again another round of applause for Disneyland Paris Absolutely. This is one of those rides where the attention to detail is absolutely perfect. Yeah, because like I was saying before, you can visit this attraction, and I have now every time I've been, which is more than 10 times, then I notice something different every single time. Yeah. Um, you, can, you, you can you kind of almost subconsciously say, right, last time I looked at this side, so this time I'm going to be on the attraction, I'm going to look on the right-hand side or something like that. Or when I was in the ballroom scene, I was looking at the floor, whereas this time I'm going to look at the balconies across the back. You can just pick and choose different points of focus every time you visit, and you will see something different. Shall we move on to the individual scenes then? Uh, we shall indeed. We can ask people, and we didn't do this, maybe we should have done this, we should have maybe asked people what their favourite scene was, because there's so many different parts. Now, my favourite part probably... Now, I don't want to say this and then contradict myself later on, but the stretching rooms right at the start of the attraction, I don't know why, but I think it's just the whole atmosphere and the fact that it goes dark and then you've got the stretching of the room. It, and the voiceover as well, which uh, we played the original Vincent Price uh, narrated soundtrack at the start of his podcast. Um, but due to the French policies and all the European visits and stuff like that, it was decided to re-record it with a French version. But even the French version, it, it, it just kind of sends shivers down your spine, even though you've heard it so many times if you're a regular visitor to the attraction. It, it sounds fantastic, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't understand a word of the French version, um, but it does sound really good. So to me, that is the attraction. Now, if that was... like, We'll never introduce a fast uh, pass to this attraction because it doesn't really need it. But if there were to kind of bypass that section, it would it would not be the same attraction at all. So for me, just the initial queuing up at the door, going in the doors opening of the stretching room and going in there that to me as, apart from the uh, when you get onto the uh, Omnimovers the Doom Buggies that's, that's the first section for me is probably my favourite part of the ride I'm going to agree with you actually the bit when you come out of the stretching room and you walk down the hallway with all the unusual paintings and then you board the Doom Buggy that fantastic stairwell in the background that's, that's my favourite bit yeah, because well, I just had a thought there that would would I like it if the uh, whole of the Phantom Manor attraction was a walkthrough? Would that add any different? Would that add a different dimension to the attraction? Obviously, you could take as long as possible you wanted, 
Um, and I know the dune buggy is uh, an essential part of a Disneyland Paris, well, not any Disney park really. But what would what do you think it would be like if you could walk through the attraction? If obviously things were barriered off so nobody could jump over and hide behind a, an old saloon and things like that. But would you like to walk around the attraction? No, I don't think so. I like the fact that they're in control of the pace. You know, you stand in a room, something specific happens over a certain pace. You know, you walk down a corridor, something specific happens at a certain pace. Yep. And then you get on your doom buggy and the story is told at the certain pace. You know, if you were walking, if you were in control of it yourself you wouldn't pick up that story in the same way that they want you to. You wouldn't take in the atmosphere in the same way that they want you to. I agree with that, yeah, just put it out there. Just one of my stupid ideas, but yeah, it sounds... Because obviously some haunted mansions and some, like, Phantom manor type rides in other theme parks around the world are walk-through, aren't there? And, uh, well, some of them are. They are, um, and Dis- Disneyland Paris, one of, the, one of my favourite things about the Disneyland Park, actually, is the amount of just walk-through things that we have in the park. You know, yeah. the Sleeping Beauty's Castle, the uh, Dragon's Lair underneath that, the Bazaar and Adventureland, the Caves and Adventureland. There's so many things. I mean, it, that sort of means that we don't need Phantom Manor to be one of those things. But nonetheless, we do love a good walk-through. Yeah, so it would, be, it would completely change the dynamics of the attraction. Like you say, I don't... I do love it, uh, and I like it as it is now, and I wouldn't want to do a walkthrough. It was just an idea of, even if it was just a one-off, and um, fans were invited to say, look, we're going to open up the attraction for one day only, and you're allowed to just explore it, take pictures. I would just love the time to spend, like, maybe one or two hours just exploring it all. Um, obviously, it would change, and it would spoil some of the effects if you could get up close and move around. But like I The say, other thing is that, uh, obviously, with the Doom buggies, you can't see what's behind you because I would imagine nothing is behind you. That is true. Speaking about the Doom buggies, one of the things I do, I personally, I would like them to be spaced out a tiny a little bit more. Now, obviously, they won't do that because of capacity issues and needing to get as many guests on the ride as possible per hour. But sometimes I would like to feel that I'm completely on my own or with the person I'm with. Well, because obviously, when you're at some parts of the, in some different scenes, if you look out of your Doom buggy or you can you can see people joking around, laughing, which obviously that they're, they're entitled to do that because they're having fun at the park. But sometimes I think it's just a bit too close because you're at, you're actually at arm's length, aren't you? So you can tap people on the side or knock on the side of the Doom buggy next you to you. You can. Um, so just a little, maybe a few more centimeters of gap would just kind of, I don't know, make it a bit more spookier, just because it would be, it would feel like you were on your own. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, the Doom buggy, they use the Omnimover ride system, which is very, very old, yeah. um, and I don't know of any attraction that's been built in the last, I don't know, decade probably, that actually uses the Omnimover ride system anymore. Um, so it is it is old. It's it's very old tech. Um, after the stretching room, like we say, once you exit the stretching room lift and you see the images stretching and you're going down, 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 or are we going up and up, nobody knows. Uh, once you've gone in out of the stretching room and like you say, you're in the corridor, walking up to the platform where you... Uh, you get onto the uh, Doom buggies. Just the, like we were saying, the images and the statues. That's I like the fact that you can take your time to walk there. And there's so many people that once they get out of the stretching room lift, they're just running past they you. They just head straight for the thing, yeah. don't they? And sometimes I just want to say to them, look, if you just slow down, there's so many little elements in this uh, walkthrough to the like boarding area that you need to just take your time and soak it all in. One of my favourite details there is the there's little eagles on the uh, rails 
as you yep. walk past that I suppose cordon you in, but there's little eagles on top of every uh, little pole. Yeah, plenty area. Yeah. Now, once you get on there, in the queue area again, still actually, whether you had board the Doom Buggy, um, the staircase going up uh, to the big window. Now, that's typical Disney because it's all forced perspective. Yeah. Because uh, obviously, if you look very closely, you can tell that it is quite flat. But just the way they've designed it, so it's bigger at the bottom and smaller at the top, you've got You it. do. You feel like you're in a huge room when you board that Doom buggy, but I mean, you can't be. It's impossible. Yeah, it does feel really ba- uh, really big, but like you said, the, it just forced pers- perspective there and the way that they've uh, imagineered the whole area. It's just, again, so amazing and so grand. Very clever. And that's what, re- for me, really sets Phantom Manor apart from a lot of other attractions that, you know, you can stand in this. This room that feels so grand, so regal, so huge, and yet it's it's all an illusion. It's great. Now, once we've got, once we've aboard, once we've aboarded our Doom buggy, um, we go off on a little hill. We go up, and what's the first thing we see? I want to say doors creaking. There are, there are some doors creaking. We've also got a young bride holding a candelabra, I believe. Ah, yes. Looking down, what looks again because of the technology they've used. Um, looks like one of the longest corridors in the world and you kind of think well when i was queuing up for the phantom manor this building was not this big on the outside (laughs) because looking at the picture i've got in front of me at the moment we've got the doors on the side and the brides holding the candelabra just you can i don't want to spoil it but you can't well you can't tell but you know it's a mirror if you think about it logically but it just looks like the lights are going all the way down the corridor and she's running right towards you and again it's just the um, the trickery of the uh, technology they've used but again it just adds an extra dimension and it does make the attraction feel so huge really does and again we've got that little link to who is this bride yeah, so it starts What's putting the story who knows yeah it starts putting seeds into your mind doesn't it it's like well this bride's running now, being honest, I prob- on my first attraction visit to Phantom Manor, I probably didn't even realise she was a bride. I was probably just too taken aback by the whole element of everything in that first scene that I probably didn't even realise she was a bride running towards me. All the illusions to take in. Um, so we go down the hallway again, and there's a big grandfather clock. We've got a piano, and there's the eagle. And then... Um, in the large chamber, we've got the crystal ball with the floating head. Now, again, another amazing piece of Imagineering. Very mysterious. And probably, apart from the, uh, the stretching room narration in French, uh, it, well, this is probably the, well, it is the only um, part of the attraction where there is English and French vocals uh, in yes. the attraction. Yes, it's an interesting one that they chose to have both English. And French, they didn't just pick one language to go for there. Usually, if you're going to hear things, you're going to hear it in, well, probably French. But it's interesting that they they chose to have both languages. Um, She actually says, Goblins and ghoulies, creatures of fright. We summon you now to dance through the night. Warlocks and witches, answer this call. Your presence is wanted at this ghostly ball. Join now the spirits in nuptial doom, a ravishing bride, a vanishing groom. And again, the story. Yeah, little links every now and then. So again... People are going to be seeing different bits. Some people might miss this because they're talking to the person next to them or, God forbid, they're taking lots of flash photography. Oh, um, God. And they'll be missing these little elements. And again, the bride at the start. And then they've mentioned the a ravishing bride again and the vanishing groom. Vanishing groom. What could this mean? So it adds more to it, doesn't it? Hmm. Now, a little bit further on as we pass this floating head. I, I was, well, how, do you know how that was achieved, that, that illusion? 
Oh, could you take a guess? Because I don't actually know the answer to this question. Can I take a guess? Um, well, it's got to be some sort of projection now, inside it, I yeah, would think. I, I love the fact that they can do rear projection at that like, close proximity. Because the globe isn't the like biggest globe in the world. And from projectors I've used in the past in the world of theatre, darling, um, <laughs> the lenses that you have to use to get a short distance like that from like behind a screen, the, the, the lens is so huge that, um, yeah, I'm, I'm amazed how they can actually achieve that. And again, that's why I would like to, on the techie side of things, I would love to like explore these different scenes and have a look at the technology and how they've actually achieved some of these effects. Now, I know some people will say, well, it'll spoil the feeling, it'll spoil the atmosphere. Um, it's like when people um, don't like watching videos of certain attractions on YouTube, for example, because they don't want to spoil it uh, before they ride the attraction. But I love to find things out about um, attractions and um, restaurants and the other elements of Disneyland Paris before I visit there, just so I, I know what I'm looking for and I can pick out different bits when I ride it. Are you the I same? I agree with you to an extent. I love to know how things are done. I love to try and work it out. But if I've not been on something, if I've not had the experience first, yeah. then I definitely won't try and I definitely won't go on YouTube or whatever and watch a video about it. So I want to have that experience first, and then try and work out how it's done. Now, this is not about Ratatouille. This, this podcast's not about Ratatouille. But so, have you watched any videos about the Ratatouille attraction at all on no. YouTube? No, you haven't? I, I saw a little bit about the queuing system and the inside of it and went, oh, that looks really interesting, but I really don't want to know what happens in the ride. I know they use projections. I know it's a GPS trackless ride system, but I don't want to know any more than that okay. until I go on it. So, yeah, I, I'm completely the opposite. I've been looking for as many videos and as many articles and reviews as possible just because, uh, well, I'm, I'm visiting there again in March and I'm hoping to get on to the Ratatouille attraction, but... I don't. I don't know why it, just, it doesn't spoil it for me. I think I know knowing what's happening, um, kind of for me adds a bit more to the attraction anyway. Because I know, obviously, being there and riding it is completely different than watching it. So my first experience will be amazing, and I know that. Um, and I don't. I don't know. Just every, obviously, everyone's got their different opinions. Um, so I won't mention it again, just in case I spoil it for you. <laughs> Probably, so the next scene. Yeah, the, as far as I'm aware, now correct me if I'm wrong, the ballroom's the next major scene. I think um, that is the next major scene, and that is, wow, what a major scene it is. It is. It's Well, if you were to ask, again, anybody, a normal guest or a fan in the community, I'm guessing that the ballroom would probably stand out as one of the major, like definitely one of the big major scenes, and if not some people's favourites for different reasons. Again, it's one of my favourite scenes. It's not right up there at the top, but it's one of my favourite scenes, again, because of the technology and just the effect that it gives. Mm. Um, and visiting the attraction in May with my son, um, who's now two years old, so he's still quite young. You could just see on his face, it, he was 100% uh, thinking these... Uh, well, he didn't understand that there were ghosts as such, but he knew that they were floating around and they were walking through tables and things like that. Now, and he then suddenly disappearing. Yeah, disappearing and appearing in different places. Now, he wasn't scared because, obviously, uh, he was one and a half years old at the time and he didn't get the concept of it being haunted and scary. But you could just see his amazement of how the lights were changing and curtains were flying and... The, um, the the guests were well dinner guests were dancing around and disappearing and you could see things through them you could just see so I don't know what it's going to be like when he gets a little bit older and he starts to believe in these scary things but 
it just shows that it's so realistic that it's um, even by today's technological standards, the um, kids and young people and probably older people as well still believe that it is haunted, just from the technology they've used. I'll I'll join that category there. I don't understand the technology that they've used. I can't work that one out. Um, as far as I'm aware, it's all to do with mirrors. I, I think so. Yeah. So is it where above on the on the um, the doom buggy on the movers are. Because at that, at that point, we've been going up and up and up in the attraction. We're going up a bit of an incline, and we're looking down in the ballroom. And as far as I'm aware, all, obviously all the tables and the stairs and the windows are in the room we're looking at. But all yep. of the characters are in a very brightly lit room underneath where we are. Oh, right, really? And so if, you, if you're very, very careful, and I don't want you to spoil the attraction, but if you look down, you can see that it's glass all like you can see glass all the way down and as far as I'm aware there's a mirror um, and that angles what was in the room underneath us onto that glass panel which then froze froze the reflection of those uh, characters into the room clever I can't remember the exact terminology for it but if you uh, it's really big in the magician world a lot of magicians use the trick um, and a lot of stage shows a few years ago, we were using it to put like ghosts on the stage. You used to have like a fake trapdoor, and underneath the stage, or underneath the audience, there would have been this room, and then it, it was kind of reflected onto the glass panel on the stage. Um, so it's very amazing, actually, to look into it. Uh, it's, it's actually quite simple when you look at it. Uh, so if you do a search for the ballroom scene, ghosts, and you'll go off on a tangent, honestly, you'll be there for hours just looking into it, and there'll be, there's videos on YouTube, there's lots of information around about it. In fact, if I find some, I'll put some uh, links on our show notes for this show. Oh, fantastic. Uh, so moving on from that, we go back to the Chamber of the Bride. Now, it looks like, from uh, the images I've found on the internet and looking through the different guides and reviews, she's actually turned into an old woman, and she's in front of a mirror. Yes. This is another one of those scenes that I really don't get. Because, yeah, well, if in my opinion, if she's dead at that point... Is, is, is she starting to look old because she's supposed to be looking a bit dead? Well, I, I managed to interpret it one at one point as in sort of when you first see her, you think she's alive, it's a bride, and then as you keep going round, you then realise, oh, hang on, she's dead. Yeah, so we, yeah, if, if, if she was still young you and she'd look the same, you wouldn't kind of interpret that as being, right, she must have died. So by having it look, like, quite old and... It, even though it describes it on this website as old, it, she does look dead. Even though, obviously, she's not real and she's not moving. Just the effect that they've used, she does look like she's somebody who has, has died or isn't in a very good way. And then we leave the house. We are ushered into the underworld by... Is that the groom? Who knows? Who knows, yes. Uh, there is a snarling dog that is just kind of at the entrance to the underneath the uh, underworld. It's is that the groom? Who, well, Who knows? Has the groom taken on a dog form? Who knows? Uh, again, you can interpret this any way you want. Maybe she was going to marry a dog in the first place. Could be. I wouldn't say that uh, people... Mar- well, I've heard of people marrying animals, but uh, maybe she didn't plan on doing that. This is, <laughs> this is where the attraction, like I was saying at the start, it kind of splits off into another kind of attraction. Oh, you have a completely different feel, don't you? You go from the sort of the haunted... It's all creepy, it's all maybe a little bit realistic, and then 
suddenly, oh, oh, everyone's dead and everyone's having a great time. Yeah, and you, you're going backwards in the um, the buggy, doom buggy. You're going backwards, and all of a sudden you turn around and you, like you say, you're in this underworld where it's gone from being not slow but very concise and it's this is what's happening we've got this little this little room we've got the ballroom just like a normal house things aren't going as they should but then like you say you go into the underworld and they're having a ball they're having a whale of a time oh it's fantastic aren't they they're all so chuffed to be dead it's brilliant <laughs> um so we've got we've got skeletons in uh, we've got tombstones we've got skeletons coming out of graves um, and again these are all animatronics so there's things moving and of course we've got the very famous uh busts that sing grim grinning ghosts yeah the very very famous now i go back to the old original uh disneyland attraction it is and i love um and somebody mentions this later on in their opinion and feedback in our section after this um that when you get stuck on the attraction well, not stuck but when the attraction comes to a halt either because of a technical fault or um because they need to stop the attraction to help somebody get onto the doom buggy i always like getting stopped at this moment now, not for too long, because it does repeat over and over again, but if, um, again, I feel you go past this section, the Grim Grim Ghosts, too quickly. Yes, I'd agree with that. I'd like to, I'd like to just go through that bit a little bit slower and then really get the sort of jolly atmosphere going. And again, because if, if you look past the Grim Grim Ghosts and the technology that's used to project, project the lifelike faces onto the uh, statues or the busts, the theming in that area, we've got like, it's like, all the underworld and there's like um, roots and dirt and all sorts of lighting effects. Again, if you went too slowly, you'd probably find you could probably see some of the lighting and you'd probably spoil the whole effect. But just um, going past a little bit too fast for my liking in that section. Well, I mean, you know, there's a whole song, Grim Grinning Ghosts. It's a whole musical number. Yeah, it's about four. And you only spend about ten four seconds verses, with it. Yeah, it's one of those that I would like to spend more time on. I think we, we could have a whole ride of it. Let's have a spin-off attraction just about <laughs> Grim Grinning Ghosts. There we go. We'll put that one to the Imagineers. Sorted. That's another email we need to send to them. <laughs> so once you've gone past the Grim Grim Ghosts, you've got our um, our guy who lifts his head up and down. Is it the mayor, I think? Is that the mayor? It's the mayor. Of the undead underworld? Under the, yeah, underworld town. It, it's supposed to still be Fundamesser, isn't it? But just the... well. Again, in someone up on, in some people's opinions, it's the underground Fundamesa, the underworld of that um, town. Uh, so yeah, apparently he's the mayor. He does wear a badge and a lapel and stuff like that, and he's tipping his head instead of tipping his hat. <laughs> it's grim, but it's amusing. <laughs> it is. It definitely is. Um, so yeah, you go in the underworld it kind of it's all one big scene with different parts isn't it so we've got the saloon um, and as far as I'm aware from what I read they've tried to incorporate a lot of the attractions in Frontierland in the underworld of that um, attraction from Phantom Manor you know what I've never noticed that so next time I go I'm going to have a really good look out for that yeah, now I don't, because I, don't, I bet they probably have I, as far as I'm aware like I say I don't want to tell you lies but if you do look out um if I remember rightly, there's things like the Golden, the look, uh, Golden Nugget Saloon, um, and there should be other attraction elements from Frontierland in there. Wow. So it's worth having a look for that. Tell that us, sounds fantastic. Yeah, tell us on Twitter or Facebook if that's correct or you see them, because I know there's a few people visiting the park very soon. I know um, Steve from Dedicated to DLP is there in the next couple of weeks. So if oh, we... is, this our, is this our podcast challenge? 
<laughs> yeah, this this week's podcast challenge is to uh, see if you can uh, point out any of the frontier land in the underworld in Phantom Manor. There's still no prize, but it's still fun. Yeah, we'll, we'll maybe get to a prize eventually. Who knows? I don't want to promise anything. Happiness. Now, another part of the attraction which a lot of regular guests probably don't even spend time looking at, and I'm being honest, I've only visited these once um, on one of my visits, it's the actual tombstones and the graveyard outside of the attraction area. Outside, yes. And there should also be a geyser field next to it. But I've never seen it working. No, I've, I've never. And I've been on the riverboats quite a few times, and I've never, ever seen that working. It does just look, look like... Something used to be there, and it just kind of fell in, and it's just a lot of rubble that's left. I've seen old footage of them working, and it looks fantastic, yeah, but I've look, never seen them work. So when you're on the uh, riverboats, and when you're, like you say, when you're walking around the graveyard area of Phantom Manor, and when you're on the, the Disney Railroad as well, it's just it's there, and it's a bit of a, a sore point, isn't it? You look at it, and it's kind of, what is that supposed mm. to be? Exactly. I mean, it's gorgeous, you know, the whole building... I mean, all of Thunder Mess is gorgeous, but, you know, the Phantom Man side is, is part of that, and it looks fantastic. So I would love to see them fix up those geyser fields. Um, something which we didn't mention at the start was the actual, like you were saying there, the facade of the building. Now, originally, uh, Walt Disney, he mentioned that this is probably the reason why the haunted mansions uh, across the other parks in the Disney world, um, they are all... Pristine, basically. They're so good looking, they're freshly painted, nice and clean, well kept gardens. Now, that's because Walt Disney said that he didn't want it to look like a haunted house on the outside. Now, well, they blew that idea, didn't they? They completely did. Now, again, I'm sure it was with Tony Baxter, if I'm right. I might be wrong with that, but I'm sure they described on a video on YouTube. Again, I'll put the link if I can find it in the show notes. He described their choice and their reasons behind doing that. Now, they said that it was a completely different story to the um, the, fan, uh, the haunted mansions whereas it was based on the, the town and it was the, the story was that it did fall into kind of a dilapidated state so they didn't want it to look pristine so what they did do um, this was in sketch to reality um, there's an image of it and again I'll link to it uh, if Disney and more doesn't mind me doing that and it's a picture of the house when it would have been in its prime so it's all white paint and green gloss areas on the doors and nice torpery and stuff like that and I think it's nice to see what the house would have looked like um, and because they had that image to start with I feel that I've given them permission to go against Walt Disney's word and turn it into a more dilapidated house because they have said this is what it did look like but we've kind of let it fall into ruin as part of the story and like I say the whole of Frontierland incorporates that into it it doesn't look out of place does it? It doesn't look out of place I mean Frontierland is a very all of Disneyland is obviously very upbeat and that's one of the things that I love about Disneyland as opposed to somewhere like Alton Towers which tends to go for the really depressing themes <laughs> um, Phantom Manor is is much darker than any other ride you know the, the whole building the facade it's it's dark, you go inside, it's dark, there's lots of death going on. But there's nothing that feels sad or depressing about it. No. It's and I, lovely. And I think it would probably be out of place if it was a white building. Because on the, I so. on the, um, the sketches and the Imagineers drawings and the visualisations, it is like a really nice gleaming white building. And I, I the, other, sorry, the other big thing to remember is that uh, haunted mansions in Disney World and in... 
California, they're not actually in Frontierland. Frontierland was, well, actually came after Haunted yeah. Mansion in those two parks, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so they're fitting in with the sort of, uh, what would you call it, the American Dream yeah. Liberty Square, I think they call it. Yeah. So it's a very, very different setting that it's got to be in. Whereas when you take it and you put it in Frontierland, I think to have a pristine building, you're right, it wouldn't fit properly. Yeah, so again, even though Walt Disney did say he didn't want that to happen, obviously he, he, well, he wasn't aware of the plans for Frontierland and putting the Phantom Manor in there. So I kind of say that gives them the freedom to... It, it does tweak the story, and it, well, it kind of goes with the story and the theme in of Frontierland. Now, moving on to... Um, Recent trips, a lot of people, and myself included, have been very disappointed with the uh, the last, the very, very last scene. Now, we forgot to mention this as we were going through the scenes. As you're, we've come to it now. Yeah, as your doom buggy goes towards the exit, there's really big mirrors, and your it actually does say some more speech as well. It goes through another spiel about um, goodbye and enjoy your afterlife and whatever, stuff like that. Now, there's supposed to be, and, and I have, I've seen this, but not for a, not for a few years. You've got the ghouls and the heads of the ghosts and the goblins and all the haunted animals and stuff like that. They're all they ride your doom buggy. They're riding above your doom buggy. Yeah. Now, the last few times, like I said, I've been on the attraction that has not worked, and I'm still aware that that is the fact at the moment as well. Now, I believe so. The last time I went on it, I don't think it was working. And again, just with, uh, with with regular guests, I don't like to call them regular guests, but my wife um, and my son, I was saying to them, look. The ending, it, it's not supposed to be like that. Cause she well, was, it, it doesn't make sense, does it? Why, why are you sat there looking at yourself yeah, cause people with are wave, nothing else happening? People are waving, taking pictures, flashing the flash in everyone's face, and it's kind of like, well, nothing happening. Now, I've read on Twitter recently that they've tried to put um, another effect on it, just as a temporary measure, um, and I'm sure it was just some like LEDs or flashing lights in the mirrors just so there's something happening. But again, it doesn't match the story. The idea is that you're leaving the underworld and you're going back to reality or back up onto land and these are supposed to be kind of hitching a lift. Hitchhiking which, ghosts. Yeah, the hitch, yes, the that's hitch, what it's called. The hitchhiking a lift to the um, the, the, the living world, if you like. But it, <laughs> and it doesn't, hap- it doesn't happen. Now, no, not at the minute. There must be a reason why, and it's, it must be the similar reason to why other, attra- other elements of attractions don't work or they take them so long to like, maintain them and they're always down. There must be something with the technology that either costs too much money to fix or it goes down so often that they've kind of said, look, stuff it, we're not going to fix it. But it's, a, it's such a shame because you've got such a great attraction of Phantom Manor going through all the different places, all the different scenes, and then you get to the last scene, which would be a great ending, and it just doesn't happen. Yeah, it is a shame, but that moves us on slightly nicely to what might happen with Phantom Manor in the future. Yeah, now we, I know this is your favourite part. You you love to explore what's going to happen. What's oh, I love it. speculation. So what speculation has there been over the last few months? Well, over the last few months, we well, we had something very exciting. would have been, uh, I think it was over summer, actually. So a few months ago, uh, at Inside DL Paris, the hive of all Disneyland Paris information, came out with a new exciting rumour for us that for 2017 there was going to be a big update to Phantom Manor. And apparently we're not going to like it. Now, 
Twitter kind of went meltdown when that happened. Oh, it was crazy. Now, on, I've set on Twitter. Um, now, you'll be you should be privileged if you're on this list. I've got um, notification set for the big players in quotation marks uh, of the Disneyland Paris world. Um, so inside DLP is on there. I've got dedicated DLP. We've got um, Cafe Fantasia and there's others. Ni DLP gig. And as soon as that news broke on Twitter. My battery went from about fifty percent to about ten percent in about ten minutes. <laughs> every five seconds, there's like delete it, delete it, delete it. Notifications. I had to turn the notifications off. But it was N- absolutely mad. And NIDLP Geek, I would say, was the most vocal of them all. Um, he did not like the idea of changing it at all. I don't think anyone really liked it. There was definitely a uh, well. It was outrage, to be perfectly honest. There was. I mean, in fairness. At Inside DL Paris did put in the line, you're not going to like it, that which probably true. didn't help matters. It didn't. Um, uh, I think a lot of people, though, as, as time went on, maybe a few hours later, um, and we were still discussing it, people were coming around to the fact that even if we don't like it, maybe it's because they think that we want it to stay exactly the same and they're going to change part of the story. Well, yeah, I, I think the story is the big thing that everyone was really worried about because, I mean, we've spoken about the story, even though no one understands the story, we all love the story, we love the setting, we think it's fantastic. I think we could all agree that actually there are definitely things that need a bit of TLC, the hitchhiking ghosts need to come back, uh, the animatronics are a little bit creaky at yeah, times. There's still, there's still, I think there's still a hit and miss of which ones are working. Now, because there's so many animatronics and there's nothing like totally major... And there's all the little bits. I think we don't notice as much when certain attra- like animatronics go down in Phantom Manor. Whereas, obviously, with Pirates of the Caribbean, the Dueling Pirates, the Swinging Pirates, they're major, major animatronics in the attraction. And when they go down, everyone notices. Definitely. The attraction's not really been changed much since it opened uh, in 1992. So it could definitely do with a bit of TLC. But nonetheless, the idea of a big refurbishment hmm, didn't go down well. No, now, again, we keep mentioning the technology and how much we love gadgets and geekery and stuff like that. And if the st- if, if, if they came out tomorrow and said, we're keeping the story exactly as it is, which isn't, isn't really a story, it's up to you to decide what it is. Uh, <laughs> but if they, were, if they were keeping the main themes running throughout it and they were just updating the technology, um, and this is probably going to be a bit uh, out there and people probably will disagree, because I, I know the Doom buggies are part of the attraction. But if they were to update the, the Doom buggies to something else, maybe, that was... I don't know. Um, ah, well, I will, I'll come on to that in a minute with an uh, interesting idea. And also, just this, obviously, a lot of the technology doesn't need change because the ballroom scene, that works well, and the uh, floating head and stuff like that, and the, the stretching room. But I think, like we say, technology-wise, I think we're just meaning maybe change the lighting effect. You can maybe have some smoke in there, some dry yeah, ice. Yeah, I mean, we've got some cool new effects like projection mapping. I think I mentioned this last time when we were talking about what yeah. might happen in the upgrade for Space Mountain. This is another dark attraction where projection mapping would really work. It would because, you, like you were saying before, about the Doom Buggies pointing you into a certain direction, so they're directing the scene for you. Um, you could have it, and because, it's, because I don't want to spoil it, but it is in a really big room. And obviously, it's sectioned off to the different scenes. You could project so many different parts onto the projection mapping, uh, especially when it's in the underworld. You could have so many ghosts moving around, following you around. Um, Definitely, you could probably project a backdrop as well that would move and uh, give a bit more of a depth. 
Yeah, because obviously with the animatronics, they can't. They're, they're static, and obviously they're moving, but they can't move. Whereas if you had something in the background, project, projection mapped onto different parts of the scene, like I say, you could have that little dog that greets you at the start, following you through, or carrying um, a bone from someone's arm or something previous in the scene. So there's so much they could add. It's, if, without taking away from anything of the original ride or an original story, they could add an extra layer of elements to it, couldn't they? They could indeed. Um, do you want the fun news, though? Go on. About a couple of weeks ago, uh, at Inside Deal Paris, turned around and said, oh, it's not happening. Now, do you feel it was part of a grand plan to say, right, I'm going to put this news out. Maybe Disneyland Paris told them to do it. I'll put this, I, nu- put this news out, get everyone talking about it, blah, blah, blah. Oh, we're not doing it anymore. I don't know. It's. I mean, that would then imply that they're in league with Disneyland Paris themselves. I don't know. I don't want to speculate on that. No, um, I, I, it I've did got... coincide with uh, the financial restructuring, share recapitalization, whatever the hell that means. Yep. It coincided with that. So maybe there was a point where they said, oh, no, actually, we're going to spend the money in different places or, oh, no, we can't actually get access to enough money to do that. Possibly, yeah. And like, like, and like we've said, I know there's certain parts of the attraction that do need updating. If they had plans to refurbish it and it said we didn't like we work, we wouldn't like it, then maybe they've said, well, look, we don't, it doesn't need changing. Quite frankly, I think there are some attractions that need a big refurbishment. Space Mountain, last time we said we'd definitely like to see that. This one, it, it just needs a technology boost. That's it. Yeah. Like, yeah, so the, really they don't... Or if they need to plan it for the future, it, it's not in as desperate need of a refurbishment or of a intensive uh, makeover, is it really? T- um, TLC it definitely needs. You know, the, we've talked about bits not working. We've talked about animatronics being being dodgy at times. Fix that, everyone's happy again. Yeah, because it's supposed to be run now. It's supposed to be haunted. So yeah, you get a bit of leeway with that, don't you? you, you that's when, like, uh, even obviously they need to make sure the outside of it is not falling to bits. Um, and going to fall on people but like you say it's supposed to look like the paint's faded and it's supposed to do that um, so the, like you say they've got a few years leeway if they notice that the paint's starting to fade too much then obviously they'll need to touch it up but you've still got the uh, the leeway of saying well it is a rundown house so guests shouldn't really complain if it looks like that's going to fall off as long as it doesn't actually fall <laughs> off this is true although of course I will point out here for the Imagineers as I'm sure they would point out that Actually, to make something look perfectly run down, it has to be perfectly not run down, but look run down. That is true. That is true. Can't actually be run down, otherwise it wouldn't look perfect. Yeah. Anyway, I shall now move on to a little bit more speculation. Uh, and this one's totally unfounded. Um, but if they did turn around and think, you know what, we need to properly refurbish Phantom Manor, we mentioned earlier that the Omnimover ride system, the Doom Buggies, they've not been used in an attraction for a very long time. Yep. And the latest iteration of the sort of Haunted Mansion series is called Mystic Manor, and that's at Hong Kong Disneyland. Yep. And that uses the trackless GPS ride system. Okay, yep. So it's very, very different. It's not implausible that Disneyland Paris could turn around and say, you know what, we will take sort of the existing entrance bit of Phantom Manor and then gut the whole doom buggy bit it's just a large warehouse that's half underground in essence if you didn't know that i'm sorry spoilers whoops. <laughs> spoilers spoilers um but they could in essence gut that and then recreate it in a ratatouille style for these trackless gps 
uh, ride vehicles like they've got in Mystic Manor in Hong Kong. I've never been to Hong Kong Disneyland, so I don't know what that's like. It's also a very new attraction, but from what I've heard about it, it's very good. Yeah, I've heard very impressive things about that. Now, would that, we've probably covered this already, but would that change the feel of the attraction? Oh, massively. For Disneyland Paris, it's an opening day attraction. It's a legendary attraction for the Disneyland Paris Park. Now, to go in and improve that completely, it's going to change the way the on the movers move, how well, fast you go. Definitely. I mean, the, the really cool thing about the GPS ride system is that you, A, you go around in, like, packs, which is quite nice, uh, and also you go around with scenes all around you. you don't, you're not pointing in one direction like you are with the normal mover ride system. You're not constantly moving. You can go into a scene and then stop, and then something happens, and then continue on. So the pace, the tempo, everything would need to be completely changed. They'd need to gut the entire thing yep. and start from scratch. So, I mean, that wouldn't just be a refurbishment. That would basically be a new ride. It would be. And I, I do like the idea that, well, similar to Buzz Lightyear, Laser Blast, if you could kind of, if you, I don't know if this can happen with the new uh, trackless system and GPS, but I'm sure it could. If you could somehow, obviously you need to stay on the same track, but if they had um, expanded the scenes around 360 degrees, so you don't have to face a certain way, could you then be in charge of your own Omnimover? And could you then focus a different scene every time you view the ride, maybe with some kind of joystick? Or could you make it random? Whereas each time you ride the attraction, you are looking at different bits and you, de- you don't know what you're going to see. It's possible. Uh, from a storytelling perspective, uh, I know that how they have done the... Uh, Mystic Manor is that they use a lot of projection mapping there. Yeah. Hey, projection mapping, it's funny, we've heard about that again in a new <laughs> attraction. Isn't that weird? They must have um, some shares in the projection so mapping company. They want, definitely there, they'll want to make sure that they are angling you in the right direction so that you can see this projection mapping. And then, yeah. of course, the projection map can go all across the room so then they can spin you around to see something else. So I think if you were in control, that would take away a lot of their control over the storytelling. But then well, again, this is Phantom Manor. Who knows what's going on with the storytelling? That's you tell true. your own story here. That's true. And I, to add even more to that um, discussion, if they did want to point you in certain scenes, then obviously in the program for the attraction, they could say, well, at this point, everyone needs to face that way. But in between points C and D, it doesn't really matter because there's not much of a story being told in those scenes. So that was when they could kind of move around and check out different areas so i'm sure there's a way you could program it where they if the imagineers wanted you to focus on something you will and then other bits other sections of elements you could then have free reign to look at any part of the scene and move around be quite nice wouldn't it because you'd be in control and then suddenly the phantom would take control of your vehicle and it's all mysterious and spooky so it adds another dimension again to another Mm. part of the attraction Ooh, that's a good idea i like that what a shame what a shame it's probably never going to happen (laughs) <laughs> but this is what uh, I, this is what I love about Disneyland Paris the fact that obviously we've got the attraction as it is um, but we've got the freedom to be able to just think of our own ideas what would we do to improve it and that's what kind of keeps me interested in Disneyland Paris obviously they are well they, will, they do have plans to do some TLC on a lot of the attractions but just thinking what could we do if we were in charge of it and I'm not saying Disneyland have to do that uh, Euro Disney Company don't have to do all these in, like, like impressive things but it's just nice to be able to say well using technology what could we do to improve it I think it's just good to discuss it oh it is it's a fun discussion as well isn't it it is now 
we're actually coming very, very close to the end of our podcast, but the feedback section's probably going to take quite a long time. So before we start reading through your emails and through your tweets, um, I'd just like to mention uh, something connected to Phantom Manor. Um, Laura Knighton at That Disney Lover has created some of her own interpretations of the stretching images, and I must say they are amazing. They are absolutely fantastic. If you've not seen them, then go on. Uh, I think she's launching a website soon, uh, yeah, or is. go on her Twitter at That Disney Lover. They are fantastic. You can buy the uh, the pictures, and they are phenomenal. Now I've seen a lot of images of people posting. Uh, pictures of their pictures on the wall and they do look amazing in the room now sadly incredibly impressive yeah uh, i i haven't impressive i haven't purchased any uh, mainly because i know my wife wouldn't let me put them up in the house uh, not because she doesn't think they're amazing just that she would say well why are you filling our house with disneyland paris um <laughs> so that's the only reason i haven't put my money in my po- hand in my pocket sorry and purchased these but yeah just uh, i've seen a few of these now but the ones that laura's done they're just amazing, and the fact that they've uh, incorporated other Disney princesses, other Disney characters into what has been an iconic stretching image. Um, just a great slant on a favourite of Disneyland Paris community. Anyway, advert over. I'm going to read, we've got how many have we got? One, two, three, four, five, six, I think we've got seven, eight. We've got eight um, bits of feedback to go through. Uh, the first one, Jeff from DLP Town Square sent his apologies. He has wrote at least a page worth of an email. Um, oh wow look at that that's oh wow <laughs> again that's the, an essay the best way to do it is for me to read through it and then we'll pick it apart uh, not for any uh, inaccuracies because i can't say uh, about grammar to anybody even though i'm a teacher um because i teach ict microsoft office sorts it out for me um <laughs> it's good isn't it so i'll go through it um and then we'll discuss it like i say i'll take a deep breath here we go Right, it says, where do I begin with Phantom Manor? It's not quite my favourite ride or attraction in DLP. A certain pirate adventure takes that spot, but it's a very close second. Um, he goes on to say, let's begin with Frontierland, which is as immersive a land as Main Street, USA. I really feel the place has that excitement of a town in the gold rush. The real push, it feels like a town. It has the rustic store, the wonderfully inviting restaurants, the beautiful river paddlers, and then as fantastic a building as Phantom Manor. Everything feels right from the moment you step through the gate, you feel a certain level of discomfort. It doesn't yet feel like a ghost town, but it has that discomfort of approaching a stranger's front door. Now that goes on to say, well, he mentions what we mentioned before, doesn't it? You kind of, it it fits in Frontierland. It does. Uh, So he says there, you feel a level of discomfort, obviously because you've got some of the haunted elements going up uh, past the little, um, I was going to call it shed. What could I call it? It's not a shed walking up, what is it? I don't know, it's like a sort of outhouse, I'm not sure. Yeah, so it, it, it's kind of, there's, there's like the haunted style music playing, and um, but it says there it doesn't feel out of place in Frontierland, and it's not as haunted as until you get into the house. Um, he says it feels like he's actually trespassing as well. That's a lovely thought. I mean, when you think also the fact that you're in a queuing system, so to feel like you're trespassing, and yet, you know, Clearly, you know, you're in a queuing system for a Disney attraction. But still to have that feeling that you're trespassing, that's a real achievement. So again, it shows. Now, I wonder if that was what the Imagineers had in their plans or whether or not it's just that what they have done makes certain uh, guests feel like that. Um, Because being honest, I've never felt like I've been trespassing on somebody else's ground. But when when I read that from um, DLP Town Square, from Jeff from DLP Town Square, 
I kind of get what he's saying. It's kind yeah. of, wait a minute, if I was doing this in the, a front garden near my house, I would be trespassing, and it feels like I am walking through a real garden. I agree. I've never been stood in the queue and thought, you know what, I feel like I'm trespassing. But actually, reading that uh, from Jeff has made me think, you know what, actually, that is what I've been feeling. I haven't been able to put it into words, but he just has. Thank you, Jeff. Um, he then goes on to say, the queue lacks what Pirates has inside, which we've already mentioned and we've agreed with. Um, but if that's where the negative comparison ends, and it probably is, then it's no bad thing. Uh, once inside the manor, there is this feeling of intimacy. The Doom Buggy Omnimover affords this, but I'm not referring to that just yet. You and a few select people are genuinely in somebody else's home. Mm, definitely. Um, the chilling French dialogue is perfect, and he says, yes, Vincent Price is a missed opportunity, but he actually likes the French voiceover, and we mentioned that as well. It's part of the attraction now, and even though we don't fully understand it, it wouldn't be the same attraction if we didn't have that eerie French voice. Um, he goes on to say, I always get a burst of excitement as the stretching room begins and I hear the Notre Visite Commencer Issy. I hope that was pronounced right. I'm sure Jeff Which will tell me if I'm wrong. I think translates to your visit begins here. Is that correct? It looks like it does from my basic French GCSE. Um, and then a special mention must be given to a wonderful, wonderful score. Now, it's something we haven't mentioned yet. The music and the score that they play, it changes as you go through the different scenes and different layers are added and overlapped and it just works so well together. It's a gorgeous score. And Jeff, just to read on a little bit, says uh, the 13 minutes of score is one of the most listened to pieces of audio and it brings it all back. 13 minutes! He's right. It is 13 minutes long and it's 13 minutes of fantastic music. Now, when I was... um, searching for the uh, resources for this podcast and you can hear the music in the background as we're talking now I've, I've been listening to that on loop for about four weeks and I must say I, I apologise for it taking us so long but uh, I'm currently doing my kitchen up at the moment and it's taken me longer than expected but anyway I was listening to that over and over again and like, like Jeff says you could just listen to that and it feels like you are in the ride it feels like you're at the attraction um, he then goes on to say at a risk of babbling on for longer than I should which is what we always do when we record a podcast and in fact it's what we've done this evening again yeah it's been at least more it's more than an hour at the moment uh, he said it bring, um, he'll end by making two points the first is that the sense of intimacy is a triumph of Walt Disney Imagineering from the moment you walk through the gate you feel very alone and isolated it's a perfect build up and ride experience now I kind of went against that before when I said I would like the uh, Doom Buggies to be a little bit further apart they do encase you quite well so you do feel um, for most of the attraction that you are alone but just like i say sometimes in some of the scenes you can see them queued up um and part of me doesn't want to see that part of me wants to just see the scene nothing else mm. but he's definitely right about this perfect builder walking up to the house going through the queuing system actually going through the door of this house that you've seen entering the chamber with the stretching room, it is a fantastic build-up. It definitely is. Um, his second point is a negative point, which Gosh. we're all entitled to. How could you, Jeff? Um, it says it's something he would like to highlight. Now, we've mentioned this already, and he goes on to say the ghosts in the mirrors at the end must reappear soon. Very I, correct. I feel that section is incredibly awkward right now, uh-huh. which we've mentioned. There is an unease at being forced to stare at yourself in the mirror. But what is a Disneyland Paris star attraction without a bit of non-working? Um, and he's looking at dueling or swinging pirates at, for that. 
Um, <laughs> That's very true. He signs off by saying, basically, a real Disneyland Paris treasure that fans from around the world long to see. Yeah. And it is mentioned, now listening to other podcasts out there, um, and I listen to a lot of Walt Disney World podcasts, and I've never visited the park, but it makes me want to go and visit. But they still, uh, when they've visited uh, Disneyland Paris and they do their trip reports, a lot of them have the same connection that... They always say that Phantom Manor. It's not saying it's the best one, but they like how different it is, and it, it's one. It, they all know about it, and they know the scenes and parts of it, and it, it's amazing how. I was going to say Disneyland Paris is a small um, bit of real estate in the Disney world, which probably is when you think about the how many guests will visit in America and stuff like that. But for them to know about our little Disneyland Paris Phantom Manor, it just shows you how good it is. Haunted Mansions, are, you know, it's one of the old staple sort of Disneyland treasures, really, isn't it? Um, but Phantom Manor is a fantastic sort of sister to that. It's brilliant. It's not the same, but they've done a fantastic job of changing it. Yeah, I think that's why so many people like it, because it's not supposed to be the same. So we can get away with saying, well, I like them both for completely different reasons. Do you want to say what uh, Steve from Dedicated to the Yeah, mentioned? so on Twitter, Steve uh, said to us, I was scared to go on this for the first time, uh, as I'm a big wuss. I would have to, I would, sorry, I would have to agree with him on that one, that he is a big wuss. <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to that you were scared, Andrew. No, I, wasn't, I was never scared on that ride, no, never. <laughs> it soon uh, became an essential ride for each and every visit. Love the different worlds you get taken into and the contrast between the two parts. The eyes follow you in ghostly thunder mesa. It does not feel more you can say for that, is there? Again, I completely it, agree again. I agree with all of that. Um, Dan from Twitter, Dan Bronstein, uh, he goes on to say, great attraction with a unique storyline from the other haunted mansions. However, like much of Disneyland Paris, not updating the technology like the US parks is starting to hurt. Yes, definitely. Um, I mean, we are apparently, if, uh, if you've been reading my rumour mill articles or if you've ever been on Twitter, you will have heard about this 10 plus 2 uh, updates rumour, the idea that we're going to get lots of updates by the 25th birthday. Surely Phantom Man has got to be one of those. We've got to get a little bit of new technology, but we'll see. We'll definitely see. Um, moving on, Cafe Fantasia. It's one of the few places in Disneyland Park where the cast members make the guests laugh. Um, I would agree with that because yes. now, obviously, it's supposed to be a haunted mansion. Um, oh, sorry, a, a Phantom Manor. Um, Apologise there. It's supposed to be a haunted house, and just the fact that the cast members are on the gate and they're dressed, and they just stare at you as you're walking past. Some of them kind of walk towards you, or if you pose for a photograph, they will, and they'll act up very, very well. Um, like he goes on to say, they do make you laugh because of the things they do. They may tap you on the shoulder as you're walking past. They may they interact with the guests. Which they is, certainly do. Which in a lot of... I know it's because they're outside and they're at the gate of the attraction, but on some attractions, like Space Mountain, they're there for safety, really, and they're just going, next, next, next that kind of thing whereas here they have got the ability and freedom to interact with you um, we've all stared down the guy who stands at the door at the start of a, uh, the start of the attraction haven't we we've all walked past him and just tried to stare him down and we've failed wow. every time <laughs> he always wins um, so good he goes on to finish like it's his... just one guy <laughs> yeah it's always him <laughs> um, he goes on to say at the end of that tweet but it lacks ribbons in the sky now if mm. you haven't listened to our episode 2 podcast about Space Mountain 
Um, that was when Cafe Fantasia described the roller coaster going through the show building as ribbons floating through the sky. Oh, um, poetry it, to it, my ears. It does lack that Phantom Manor, but could you say that the Omnimovers move like ribbons through the sky, or is that a bit too slow? Maybe you could have said that in 1992, but I don't think you can in 2014. No, well, so we'll have to agree with him on that one then. Fair enough. Right, Nikki at DLRP Wonders says, uh, "What do we? What does she uh, like about perfect uh, about uh, Phantom Manor? Well, basically everything, which I think is a very good way to start. Uh, the backstory, which connects perfectly to the rest of Frontierland, the theming, which makes you really feel like a part of the 999 Ghosts, the music, just the whole atmosphere of it." Like I say. Um Totally agree. If Phantom Manor was not in Frontierland, I, well, I would still visit there, obviously, because a big Thunder Mountain and all the other little um, restaurants and stuff, but it would have such a big hall. Yeah. I mean, it's seamless, isn't it? The whole uh, the whole thing. Having Frontierland, having Phantom Manor, and having it all tie in in one big story. What other theme park gives you that? I can't think of any. Right. Aurelia Vincent. I hope I pronounced that right. I'm apologies if I got it wrong. Uh, when she, uh, when we conducted an interview with her on Magical DLP a few months ago now, um, she actually mentioned that Phantom Manor was her favourite attraction when she was, when we were asked well, when she was asked about it. Um, and she went on to say, "I love the story of the Ravenswood and especially the music. My favourite scene during the ride is the ballroom. Every time, I hope there will be an interruption so I can enjoy and admire every detail and every character of that particular scene. Uh, something similar to what I mentioned about the Grim Grim Ghosts, just." Stopping every now and then on the attraction. Same as when you're in Buzz Lightyear and you want to get an extra few thousand points on your score. Um, Wait, that, so, that doesn't s- work, does it? Oh, yeah. Do you actually get... I thought they stopped giving points when you stopped. Oh, no, no. I've got some of my high scores when I've been sat in front of a great target and you can just fire and fire and fire and fire. Uh, oh, on rats. A, on one occasion, we were there for quite a long time and I did get a particular high score. <laughs> <laughs> So there, that's maybe a little secret there. I was, I just thought everybody knew you could do that. No, I, I thought they were fair about it. Never mind that. Well, we'll uh, we'll discuss that in a future podcast, maybe. Oh, that's a good one. Um, but yeah, again, stopping at a particular scene. So, in, uh, any other attraction, probably in any other theme park in the world, you wouldn't want the attraction to stop. You'd be thinking, "What are we doing? Why are we stopping here?" Just, but there's it. so much to take in in that ballroom scene. We talked earlier about all the different details that are there, and yet you just whiz past it. But then again, I suppose if you didn't whiz past it, then you'd see all the details and you wouldn't want to come back for more. That is true. Uh, so sometimes it's good to move on. Um, we've got another long email here, and it's by NIDLP Geek. Who's written uh, a book for us. Thank you very yeah. much. It's a good thing we don't print these off and we just view it on a screen because we are wasting so many trees. <laughs> He goes on to say, without a shadow of a doubt, the best attraction Disneyland Paris has to offer. Interesting. Interesting. And we know from his profile, he's, he's changed his profile picture on Twitter, but his profile picture on Twitter for quite a long time was that of Phantom Manor. Um, as soon as you enter those gates, you're swept into the spooky and unnerving atmosphere that can only be truly described by experiencing it for yourself. Imagineers really did a perfect job ensuring the language barrier wouldn't have got in the way of the manor's incredibly detailed story, while still keeping the charm and heart of its American cousin, albeit with a much darker theme. Again, that's something we mentioned before, isn't it, about how they've managed to actually do the attraction and get the story mm-hmm. right, even with the language barrier. Even though Walt Disney also didn't want there to be a dilapidated manor, 
the Imagineers this time did make it darker, and yet it still works, and we all still love it. Uh, my only complaint, uh, and I DLP gig said, was at this moment in time is the lack of the lone ghost on your Doom buggy, something Ooh, which we've already it's, mentioned. It's come up again. There it um, is. During his last trip over Halloween, the mirror effect was simply turned off as opposed to knocked out of sync like I saw on the previous year. Now, I wasn't aware of this. Now, every time I visited Phantom Manor or rode the attraction, it's either been on or it hasn't, and it's worked or it hasn't. So NIDLP Geek says that um, it was out of sync, like on uh, one of his previous visits. That's Yeah, that must be even worse, frankly, than it not working. Maybe that's why it's not working at the minute, because they can only get it to... uh run out of sync and frankly it's probably better just not to have it so while management may believe that this is a simple quick fix than actually mending whatever has broken the ghost timing it completely renders the scene pointless again we've discussed this and you're dead right from a story aspect this also slightly eliminates the manor's bittersweet ending with only little leota saving it in the post show with rumors spreading several weeks ago of Updates coming to the attraction in time for DLP's 25th anniversary. My one request is that the story, atmosphere and the heart of Phantom Manor is preserved. Again, something which we agree with there. I am all for updating some of the technological aspects of the attraction, such as the previously mentioned finale. But the timeless story, fantastic music and all-round eerie sensation you get from your visit to Ravenswood Manor must be maintained. Absolutely. Definitely what we're getting from all of these uh, opinions is that it's the atmosphere that, about Phantom Manor that really sets it apart. And some would argue that even changing the technology would not change it, or maybe adding new technology wouldn't be needed because it's so good and the atmosphere is so impressive. that. Just... Oh, I don't know. I think, I think you could make the atmosphere even better with some new technology. Which we've already mentioned. Our last... <laughs> our last um contact again was made a few months ago now via an interview on magicaldlp.co.uk all things magical Disneyland Paris um, from Giona uh, a cast member who looks after well is actually guest relations so he stands there with those tablets and he asks you the questions as you walk through uh, the gates into the park uh, he'll ask you what about your attra- um, your opinion of the attractions about your stay as a guest in the hotel or in the parks or restaurants or toilets he also um, works um, showing VIP guests around so those people who pay for a VIP tour guide he uh, on some occasions takes people around and he did say when I was speaking to him before the interview that he had a big part to play in the opening of Ratatouille so a lot of uh, our DLP friends on, in the community probably have mentioned well not mentioned but met and had associations with Giona um, um, go on. Just to interrupt a little bit, if you've not read the uh, interview that uh, you did with Giona on our website, then please do check it out. It's fantastic. One of our probably one of our best articles of the year. It is, yeah. Um, it's actually second, I think, in the in the list of hits. Um, and Matthias, uh, who's part of the social media marketing uh, type side of Disneyland Paris, he's the most popular interview on there. Um, yeah. Again, if you want to check it out, visit our website. Uh, I'm sure you already know what that is, but if not, it's magicaldlp.co.uk. Giona, when I asked him about his VIP uh, tours, and I said, can you mention any names of who you've had VIP-wise? And he said, no. (laughs) So so that either means it's so interesting that they've kind of said, look, we don't want anyone to know we've had a VIP tour, or 
It's just normal guests who've got the extra bit of dough and they've paid for a VIP tour and it doesn't really matter. Either way, I like the fact that he did say no because it means my mind can race around and say, oh, maybe they've had this person, maybe they've done this. Um, I would love to work as a VIP uh, guest relations manager or whatever his official title is. Oh, yeah, I'd love to show people around Disneyland Paris and, uh, well, just talk about it for hours on end. Funny that I like doing that, isn't it? Weird. (laughs) It's a good thing you do. Um, He went on to say, which is what we we were supposed to be talking about, I've always... (laughs) Back to this, back to the script. I have always had a weak spot for Phantom Manor as I've always been a fan of haunted mansions. The concept of a haunted mansion in combination with the impeccable storytelling Disney does makes it one of my favourite ever. My favourites ever. Though I must say I'm very proud of our new, brand new Ratatouille attraction as well. Ooh. One of these days we're going to have to get all the dark rides together and just pin them up against each other and see which one's the winner. Yeah, now I don't want to take um, somebody else's idea. Uh, it's uh, the Disney Brit podcast. Again, a really good podcast. And if you haven't listened to it before, I would definitely take a listen. Uh, search it on iTunes or visit. I think it's Disney, DisneyBrit.com or Disney Brit Radio or something like that. Search it on Google. They, on their podcast, uh, take every single attraction from Walt Disney World, big or small, and there's hundreds of them. And each week they have four or five attractions up against each other. Now, it could be a mixture of really big attractions, so they could have two or three really big hitters, or some weeks they'll have some small attractions, and they ask their guests and their listeners uh, to discuss which one they would want to go through the next round. Now, I don't want to copy their idea, but like you say, just doing a, a straw poll or finding out out of all the dark ride attractions in Disneyland Paris, including uh, Walt Disney World, as, uh, sorry, Walt Disney Studios as well, it would be amazing to find out what people like the best. Mm. So maybe in the future we'll uh, run a little competition or a quiz. Ooh. That could be good. And that takes us on to our next point, I believe. It does. After our podcast last uh, episode, episode two, when we were discussing uh, Space Mountain, a few weeks after that we uh, introduced a new feature on Magical DLP, which was a little quiz. Uh, and that was 10 questions related to Space Mountain, and you probably would have got all the answers if you had listened to the podcast. Now, some people were getting scores of 20, 30. Now, they weren't registering their names on the leaderboard, and I don't blame them. Why would you want to be embarrassed? Because you should have been listening to the podcast, uh, and you would have got most of the answers right. Um, in fairness, I'm... I was in the podcast, and I only got about six or seven. <laughs> well, I'm not going to say anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> That either means I talk too much and you kind of turn off because I'm not interested, or you're just so into what you're doing that you didn't take it all in. Um, so we'll let you off with that one. But this time round, we're going to do another uh, quiz about Phantom Manor, all about the facts, the figures, the scenes, our opinions. Um, and again, it's your chance to get up as high as possible on our leaderboard. Um, and we'll be doing this for every episode of the podcast uh, and don't forget, we're not, go- we're not just going to focus on attractions. So if you have any suggestions of restaurants or shops or e- other elements of Disneyland Paris that you would like us to focus on, now, it would be useful if I have been to this attraction or this uh, restaurant because there are still elements of Disneyland Paris that I have not had the chance to experience. Uh, but we'll do our best. Um, and I'm there again in March. I'm only there for two days. Um, on the study visit with the sixth form college I teach at, 
but that would be a chance for me if we can get a list of things people want to know about that would be a chance for me to gather some data and experience something new so if you've got any suggestions then you can email us at podcast at magicaldlp.co.uk you can message us on twitter on facebook we've also got um a new um feature and it's a voicemail recorder so if you visit our facebook page and we'll also put the link on this podcast as well you can click on the link if you've got a microphone or a webcam with a microphone built in on a laptop you can leave us a message so if you want to record your opinions whether you completely disagree with our thoughts and opinions whether we've made a mistake if you want to complain or if you want to be positive and you want to explain um what you love about our podcast then you can record, I think it's about 90 seconds you get, um, you can leave a message with us there, or if you've got a microphone and some audio editing equipment, uh, or Audacity, which is freely available to download, you could leave us a little voice recording, and you could feature on our next podcast. Um, doesn't that sound interesting? Exciting. Now, the next focus, uh, because I felt so bad uh, for Pirates of the Caribbean not winning, um, and I know Poor that Pirates. Steve from De- Dedicated DLP would have loved uh, for Pirates of the Caribbean to be the winner. Um, to satisfy his need for all things pirates, that will be the focus of our next episode. Uh, and like I mentioned, we need all your opinions on this attraction. So email us, podcast at magicaldlp.co.uk. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Um, you can also leave a comment um, on iTunes in a review, or if you would love to, and we would love you to as well, leave a five-star review on iTunes. Now, as far as I'm aware, uh, we've only got one review, and that is on the Irish version of iTunes. So far, nobody has left us a review, a review on the English-British version. Controversial. So, even though it, we're being so nice to you, we don't want to fake any of our reviews, so I haven't left a review, and I know Simon hasn't left a review. Maybe we'll have to just to make sure we've got a couple of stars. <gasps> Gasp, we would never do that. No, no, no. Um, so please... You didn't hear anything. <laughs> I don't want to plead with anybody. I don't want to get down and kiss people's shoes. But it's, it'd be nice if you do enjoy listening to our podcast and we do get some good feedback. I've had a couple of emails. I've had some tweets uh, and comments saying, oh, I can't wait for your third episode or I can't wait to hear about Phantom Manor. Just let us know. Email us or leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. That is it from this episode. So thanks for joining us. Do you want to say goodbye, Simon? Yeah, I do, yeah. Um, and before I say goodbye, I'd just like to say thanks again to everyone who's... Uh, sent messages in on email on the website facebook twitter because to be honest the real highlight of doing this actually is hearing everyone's opinions and uh i mean two of you sent in whole novels which was very exciting so yeah thank you and uh, please do the same for parts of the caribbean and the rest of the podcasts yep so until next time until episode four of uh, magical disneyland paris that is the end of episode three and goodbye goodbye <laughs>